section one of the rover volume one number fourteen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the rover volume one number fourteen edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section one mont saint michel kind and benevolent reader of the rover we this week take pleasure in presenting to you a beautiful engraving of the celebrated fortress of mont saint michel and a sketch to match mind ye no daguerreotype view either mont saint michel dear reader was you ever there no no we dare say that very few of our many patient friends e'er had it pictured in their eyes ah but it is a noble sight the country around a wild view we will represent it to you in two scenes behold as you now look a desert of eight square leagues surface of sand through which run several rivers in some places spreading themselves out in the form of a lake let your eye glance beyond all this to a yet mightier desert of sea there just before its margin build up a granite rock crowned with towers on a base of a quarter of a league in circumference to the height of five hundred feet this is mont saint michel at the reflux of the tide change the scene four days before and after the full moon and the overwhelming ocean fills the entire area indicated by the form of the land as its natural territory then rear in the midst of this waste of waters the same stupendous granite monument mont saint michel is on the confines of normandy one hundred and twelve miles southwest of paris and with the ancient town of avranches ten miles distant on the northeast port saint andol on the south and Cancale on the southwest to the west extends the open sea avranches is celebrated in history as the place where henry the second did penance for the murder of thomas a becket in its neighbourhood are some of the most magnificent views in normandy mont saint michel was originally called mont bellenu a name which the druids gave to the sun and is also the bale of scriptures and the bellus of the assyrians the druids reigned there until the era of augustus their granite altars were finally destroyed when the rock received the name of mont jean or mont jovi and a temple of jupiter was raised upon its pinnacles in the year three thirteen after the edict of constantine it was inhabited by some christian hermits who built a monastery called monasterium adeus tumbus in seven o eight a church was built on the spot by saint aubert the twelfth bishop of avranches and the ground was consecrated to saint michel but it seems that the bishop was negligent of his duties for it is said that he did not execute the will of god until he was smitten upon the forehead by the finger of the archangel his skull is still shown at avranches in the church of st gervais with the impress of the angelic finger on the frontal bone after this the place suffered a variety of fortunes sustaining numerous sieges each one however adding fresh proof to show the difficulty or rather impossibility of its capture in fourteen twenty henry v entered normandy at the head of twenty-five thousand men having subdued all lower normandy 
he laid siege to rouen of which he at length made himself master the hold of the english upon normandy became stronger until the death of henry v which occurred in fourteen twenty two and even during some part of the reign of henry the sixth in fourteen twenty three they turned their arms against mont saint michel ambitious to possess themselves of a fortress so strongly defended by nature their army to the number of fifteen thousand men were encamped in the various parishes on the east of the fortress on the north they occupied tombolan and on the west the sea was covered with their ships they commenced with escalades on the east and south sides but were always defeated and thrown down from the rock they then taking advantage of the eight days in the month when the mount is deserted by the sea brought up their artillery of which two pieces were of such enormous calibre as to carry granite bullets of fifteen inches in diameter with these machines they effected several breaches in the walls of the town which is built on the lower part of the mount but beyond this it was impossible to hoist their cumbrous artillery from the height of the chateau above the besieged rolled down upon them huge pieces of rock and following themselves in the midst of the confusion attacked them sword in hand and drove them from the town into the grieve as the evening came on the sea came in and if the english had not promptly retreated to the mainland it is hardly probable that a single man would have arrived to tell the tale of their defeat the two pieces of cannon we have mentioned remained as a trophy in the hands of the garrison and are seen to this day at the gate of mont saint michel they are eleven feet long and constructed of iron bars two inches thick bound with hoops of the same metal in fourteen sixty nine louis onze when he found himself at davranche after beating the baton instituted the order of the knights of saint michel some antiquarians maintain that saint michel was at one time situated in the middle of a vast forest submerged by successive eruptions of the sea in the sixth century as proof they offer a map constructed by a canon of coutances in which the road is carried through the forest of sissy and chassay to valogne leaving saint michel to the right at some distance from the sea the trees also that are constantly found among the sands with their roots and branches entire strengthen the testimony the following incident will convey some idea of these dreadful sands in seventeen eighty a ship ran aground near saint michel and sunk so fast that her whole hull disappeared before any goods could be saved workmen were however dispatched who cleared their way and succeed in drawing out some packages from her hold but in the meantime the sea returned unobserved through the treacherous sands swallowing up men goods and ship her very masts disappeared and no traces were left to indicate where the disaster occurred some years ago when the great marsh lands of dole were threatened with an inundation a project was conceived of turning away the river quesnau from the dyke by digging a canal through which it was to pass from pontorson toward the east of saint michel a thousand convicts were set to work and for some time all went on well at last the moving sands seemed to take pleasure in annoying them and at length when a portion of the herculean task was accomplished the great sea like a vicious monster walked deliberately in instantly filling up the canal 
the project was abandoned there are occasionally at this day some instances of fatal accidents but we are getting into the quicksands ourselves therefore we will make all good haste to retrace our steps to st michel in the year fifteen seventy seven during the war of the league a protestant by the name of du touche conceived the idea of possessing himself of the mount he mustered a band of only fifty men he must have been insane for how could he expect to hold the place with a force so small at a time when the catholic party was triumphant on the coast and one day when the garrison had sallied forth to pursue a band of robbers disguised as pilgrims crossed the sands singing holy canticles they were joyfully received by the monks who anticipated a rich harvest from the offerings of so large a company when they arrived in the church the pilgrims sung and prayed and when it was time to exhibit the presents which they intended for the saint each man drew his naked sword from under his cloak and flashed it in the eyes of the astonished monks they then shut up their hosts in their cells fastening the gates and proceeded to pillage the treasury neglecting however to post sentinels in the towers they were surprised in the midst of their holy work by the noise which the governor of the fortress made in commanding admittance at the gates the desperadoes however remained undaunted determining if possible to retain possession of the stronghold which they had gained under a false guise the force outside were gaining in strength by the adherents of the abbey from the main at last captain du touche somewhat alarmed perhaps for his own safety told the ex-garrison very gravely that the first blow struck upon the gates or the first ladder planted against the walls should be the signal for the massacre of the monks and the firing of the whole pile de vic knew the men he was dealing with and prudently allowed them to march out with the honours of war only stipulating that they should leave behind them the pillage of the town and monastery which they had occupied for two days in fifteen ninety one another attempt to take this fortress was made by count de montgomery son of him who in a tilt with henri de of france which that monarch sought inflicted a wound in his eye of which henri died a few days later on the north side of the rock there was a small opening like a trap-door so small that it was hardly reckoned among the weak points of the fortification a single soldier was entrusted with the safeguard of the spot and this soldier was known to the count de montgomery in the silence of the night the count crept along the sands with his adherents and at length stood under the trap-door a signal was in a short time made by which he understood his ally was true and shortly after the tackle of the monks came slowly down swinging to and fro in the night wind it had no sooner reached the sands than the bravest of the forlorn hope clasped his arms and legs round the iron cliques and montgomery and his men saw their companion mount into the air waver lessen and disappear with intense anxiety then there were awful moments of suspense which might have been counted by the beating of their hearts each man's bosom ticking like a clock no words were spoken for some moments until again the rope became visible then as the cliques rattled upon the ground a half-smothered cry of joy arose from the group the second man ascended the third the fourth the twentieth the fiftieth the eightieth and yet there was no noise of war no roll of the alarm drum and still the rope descended and the cliques rattled on the ground montgomery began to tremble with suspicious fears here is a spar of timber said a man as large as a ship's mast we have a block and plenty of cord raise it against the rock 
and in five minutes i shall ascertain the fate of our comrades it was done the block was fastened to the top of the spar the cord rove into the block and the machine raised perpendicularly against the cliff the man then fixed himself to the end of the rope and was hoisted up by his companions for some time he kept himself steady by means of the spar but when near the top either confused by the darkness and novelty of his situation or compelled by the wind which blew in fierce blasts from the sea he let go his hold and clung only to the rope he was dashed repeatedly against the cliff while still continuing to rise but at length his eyes were blinded by a sudden blaze of light and he caught instinctively at an opening of the rock with such force that his companions below made haste in the nautical phrase to belay a spectacle there met the eyes of the volunteer that at first seemed to have the effect of enchantment both upon his heart and limbs helpless and alone hung he there without a single idea either of advance or retreat by the light of a torch within he saw that the narrow stair-like place into which he looked was discharging a stream of blood into an abyss below and in the midst of the obscurity he could distinguish an irregular mound formed of human heads and headless bodies opposite to him stood a man with arms bare to the shoulder whose ferocious yet stupid glare fixed upon an immense sword which he wielded in both hands made his skin creep the silence of the place only interrupted by the plashing of the blood as it fell from step to step the red and wavering light which gave a phantasmagoric appearance to the whole scene and the terrific form of the headsman who looked like a demon all had such an effect upon the imagination of the adventurer that when three other figures appeared with the suddenness and silence of spirits he was convinced for a moment that he beheld only the creations of a disordered brain one of the three figures was a comrade of his own whom he had seen but a few moments before drawn up into this den of blood by the traitor whom montgomery had imagined to be a friend he came forward with his arms pinioned and his mouth gagged when they reached the executioner his two conductors bent him down without a word upon a block of stone and in an instant his head bounded down the steps another victim was brought in in the same manner and shared the same fate another and another this was the last of those who had ascended the eightieth man a wild cry burst from the heart and lips of the witness startling even the group of assassins and his comrades below led him down as speedily as possible as montgomery retired with the remainder of his party in rage and dismay they heard a shout of hoarse laughter from the ramparts mingling with the sound of the night wind as it moaned along the waste the name of the archfiend who was governor of st michel at the time of the above occurrence was boisseux let a curse be upon it while the earth exists in our day he would have made a capital politician some may think that this is tantamount to saying that many of our politicians of the present age would in that age have made capital boisseux no doubt however but that he received unbounded praise at the time but he subsequently fell into disgrace and was dismissed from office he afterward assembled a considerable body in the environs of Pontonson on the twenty seventh of september fifteen ninety five and set out to surprise the fortress to a certain extent he was successful he pillaged the town from top to bottom but the chateau which had been his object defied his power another attempt was afterward made by the marquis de belle isle this nobleman had left the party of the league and attached himself to the king in the hopes of obtaining the baton of a marshal of france to the application of his friends henri quatre answered coldly let him be satisfied with my good graces 
i owe nothing to those who bring me nothing belle isle who was as brave as he was unprincipled understood the reply and determined that his first gift to the king should be the famous fortress of st michel at that time governed by la touche de carolan an old friend and comrade of his own accompanied by a band of resolute men with arms concealed beneath their cloaks he crossed the grieve with the ostensible purpose of paying his devotions in the church and visiting his friend the governor they were admitted within the walls without hesitation and the last gate of the chateau opened for his reception but some demur took place when it was found that the visitor required his whole suite to be allowed to enter with him belle isle insisted the guard was firm and at length the former exclaiming loudly against their want of respect drew his sword and killed the sergeant and corporal on duty the post was forced at a single blow and the assailants rushed into the middle of the abbey here they were opposed by some soldiers and servants who had been alarmed by the crash of weapons and who were every moment reinforced by fresh assistance from every part of the building the assailants however were numerous and flushed with their first triumph and they succeeded although every inch of ground was gallantly contested in driving the defenders from post to post carillon the governor fought like a madman not so much for his fortress as for revenge on his false friend he flung himself repeatedly into the hottest of the fight with no thought but of reaching the traitor's heart and at last when all seemed hopeless and he himself covered with wounds he determined to die in the effort he rushed once more into the midst of the combatants succeeded in clearing his way to his enemy and the two quondam friends engaged hand to hand Balil was slain and his party panic-struck on finding themselves without a chief took to flight it was in the fortress of st michel that henri surnamed beauclerc on account of his love of letters and afterward henry i of england held out against the combined forces of his brothers robert of normandy and william rufus william on a visit to normandy wrested from his brother the country of coke and by treaty obtained some of the most important places among others mont st michel and cherbourg in the territory which had been sold to henry in those days it was necessary to take by force what was ceded by policy and the duke and the king uniting their armies marched against their brother henry held out stoutly for a long time but at last surrendered after being so much distressed by thirst that he sent to ask his brother robert for a drink of water who complied with his request this event took place about ten eighty seven to eight beside being the theatre of such deeds of war st michel was long one of the high places of catholic devotion pilgrims visited its shrine from all parts of europe in bodies of two or three hundred at a time forming themselves into a kind of caravan the spectacle of several hundred men riding in line with their flags and banners and their almoner at their head must have had a fine effect on the desert sands of the grieve after their devotions were paid and their vows accomplished the pilgrims before departing elected a king of the journey and placed on his hat a crown of gilded lead some other officers of inferior rank were then appointed and the cortege moved on the king paid no part of the expenses but on their return he was expected to give his subjects a grand repast at which the pilgrims ate drank and sung and made love to one another's daughters the rock is almost encircled by walls flanked with towers and bastions the subterranean excavations are indeed subjects of extreme curiosity they consist of cellars and powder magazines the vault in which are the wheel and cable used for weighing heavy goods from the sands below the prisons under this vault and the oubliette those frightful dungeons the way to which is narrow and labyrinthine 
and which are entered by means of a trap-door the buildings rise vault after vault far above the rock and the church stands for the most part on pillars constructed to serve for its foundation a view from the platform before its portal comprehends the coasts of normandy and brittany the road to Concal, and the towns of avranche dol and pont d'orson with the vast sands of the grive on the one hand and the open sea on the other above these on the clock tower is the promenade des petits fous and twenty-two feet still higher the promenade des grands fous signifying by their names the relative degrees of sanity of those who choose them for their walks on the summit of all is a telegraph but the gilded statue of saint michel mentioned by m de Thou as forming the pinnacle of the temple exists only in history and now sweet reader we have done with mont saint michel we part with it as though it was a friend what do you think of it does it not please you as well as a lovesick tale it is all devoid of fiction its history is full of startling truths turn to our plate picture to yourself its dismal and noisome dungeons do you feel any desire to crawl through them what skeleton eyes may you not put your fingers into do you wish to approach it over the treacherous grief in the night without a guide alone do so ere you are aware of it you are in the quicksands why do you tremble are you afraid to die to go slowly down into the watery sand sinking by inches and no one to assist to your thighs to your waist to your chest to your throat to your mouth o oh god will you strangle miserable wretch what agony enough to drive the spirit from the body ere the quicksand covers the head farewell god bless you dear reader do not dream to-night of the grieve of mont saint michel End of section one